mental health can be a difficult topic to talk about. I'd like to change that. I'm Marcus Pibworth and welcome to the Ministry of Change podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Stories on the Ministry of Change podcast. And thank you so much for listening. Um, these mental health stories are a slightly different space to the usual episodes that are in a more conversational format. And this is a space that I really wanted to sort of hand over the mic to someone and give them a space where they can tell their story uninterrupted and for us to listen. I think that creating these spaces for people to honestly share their story of how they're experiencing the world is so important. It's sometimes hard for me to believe that there's still stigma attached to mental health in 2018. Don't you think that's weird? Yeah. Anyway, I think it's, I mean, mental health is something we all have. And so I think the more that we can share these stories, the more that we can understand that there's no normal and that our struggles are not shameful in any way. And we can be part of creating a real change in the way that we talk and relate to each other, um, ourselves and to the world. Uh, if you do like these podcasts, then it would be amazing if you could subscribe, review and rate it on iTunes. Uh, that would mean that the stories could reach more people and it would allow me to sort of continue to create that space for people to share them. Um, uh, in, in this episode, I'm going to hand the mic over to Sean to tell her story of uh, sort of relating to alcohol and her sort of moving from being a functioning alcoholic with a young child to being sober and the journey of discovery and understanding uh, things about herself that this has led her on, um, which obviously isn't always a very uh, sort of linear, uh, easy journey to take. Um, I think we all know that alcohol can be problematic and especially when it's used to mask other difficult experiences are going on underneath. I mean, I know that like all too well from my own experiences. So um, I, I took a lot from this uh, story of Sean's and I hope you do too. So here you are, I'll hand over to Sean now. I am uh, now very old. I am 49 no I'm not I'm lying I'm 48 and I live in Swansea Valley and um, I um, am a nurse and I work for my husband I've got a 14 year old daughter and uh, I had probably been drinking binge drinking for about 30 years and um, I can't really remember when it started I guess it would have been when I was about 17 or 18 and um, I had money for the first time because I was working and uh, I used to probably drink, drink probably, I don't know, maybe Friday and Saturday and go out, get drunk, um, but not falling down drunk. So as I progressed with my alcohol career <laughs> I started drinking stronger drinks because I had more money I had a better job and the binge drinking it was still binge drinking but it was binge drinking more potent drinks and then of course the consequences were more serious um, blackouts um, I never got hospitalized um, I never I never I always um, I was sort of a functioning alcoholic, I would call it, because I always worked. I always made sure I was there at any commitment. Um, so, yeah. 
So basically that carried on. And then when I got to about, uh, after having my daughter, I was, I was sober um, through my pregnancy, aside from the odd glass of wine. And then after having my daughter, it seemed to get worse. Um, not worse, but it was just alcohol sort of became the one thing to look forward to because um, life was stressful. And so, again, it was the wine, it was the maybe a couple of glasses in the week, but then always drinking quite a lot at the weekend. And and that's, you know, that's not a good feeling waking up in the morning when you've got a, you know, when you've got a three-year-old and, you know, you're just thinking, oh, gosh, you know, I've got a hangover, I can't do the park, I can't do the swimming pool. It's, it's not good. And that's progressed and stayed with me, gosh, until I decided to stop drinking, really. Um, and there was no um, moment, there was no switch, there was no, I didn't wake up on a park bench or anything. I just woke up one Sunday morning after a regular Saturday night in front of the TV, drinking wine. But I think the difference on this Saturday night was I was asking my daughter to go and refill my glass. And she was about 12 at the time. And I woke up on the Sunday morning and I just thought, do I really want to be this sort of person? Do I, do I want to be this role model to a really impressionable 12-year-old? Mum sitting on the sofa, drinking wine. I just thought, no, I don't want to do it anymore. And there'd been a few sort of flashpoints before then where I knew the drinking was getting worse. Um, uh, so, for instance, um, I... And, and I'd given up for stints, if you'd like. So I tried a week, then a fortnight. But alcohol was always the goal at the end of that week or that fortnight. It was the only thing to look forward to. And the drinking was, the, 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 the drinking by Easter before May the 1st, which is my sober date or my date of sobriety, was, was really awful because I can remember drinking lots and lots of red wine, lots of red wine and drinking at lunchtime. And I was thinking, God, this, this, is, this is really getting quite unmanageable. Anyway, woke up on this Sunday morning and something had changed. And I just thought, I just don't want to be that role model for my daughter anymore. I'm not doing it. So the first thing I did um, was to become... Um, connected with somebody because I, I even though I'd go to the pub and I'd drink with my husband I felt very alone with the after feelings of alcohol of, of, of drinking so when I was feeling um, guilty when I was feeling ashamed of myself which was always which would last for days after drinking alcohol I always uh, um, alcohol then became my friend again and I'd start drinking again um, I, I felt I was very alone with those feelings. Drinking, yeah, I always had people around me when I was drinking alcohol. But when those feelings came on the second, the third, the fourth day, I was really alone and I needed to connect with somebody. So I joined um, a group called Club Soda. And um, I only joined their Facebook page. I didn't pay a penny. It was, it was great, you know. And by that Sunday night, I was on their Facebook page. I was a member and uh, I was scrolling through and I was seeing all these stories of women and men, mostly women, but yeah, a fair amount of men who felt the same way as I did. That 
And though society was saying, yes, yes, it's okay, you can drink, you can drink in moderation through the week, then you can have wine o'clock on a Friday and you can do what you like at the weekend. There was something jarring in me about that. And I was thinking to myself, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm not doing it. And there were lots of people out on this Facebook page that felt the same way that I did. Some of them were functioning alcoholics like myself. Some were alcoholics through and through. They just couldn't even go a day without a drink or even an hour without a drink. So I drank club soda on the Sunday night. And, and, and from there... I created a toolbox of, of, um, of, of uh, virtual, practical um, things that would help me. And I thought, I'm going to give it a month. So the toolbox. The toolbox was joining Club Soda, which was absolutely fantastic. And I, I started connecting with certain people and we chat. And the first thing I did in the morning was look at the... Facebook page for Club Soda, say good morning to everyone. And I really did feel connected, and I still do. Uh, the second thing that I did was I went out and bought some alcohol-free lagers. And uh, if you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, they'll say, mm, not the way to go, not to, you're not to do that. But for me, uh, alcohol had become a social thing where, and, and I knew that I would struggle some evenings and I needed to have something else. So bought some alcohol-free lagers, thought they were quite nice. I did lots of walking with my dog um, and listened to a podcast called The Bubble Hour, which is um, broadcast from Canada, but had been recommended by Club Soda members. And that was great. And yet yeah, lots of baths and dog walking, listening with uh, to The Bubble Hour. Um, and... Whenever I listen to the Bubble Hour, I always take away something from it. Um, you know, the descriptor could be, oh, I don't know, something about, uh, um, oh, I don't know, relapse or whatever. And I think, well, I'm not relapsed. I'm not going to relapse. But whatever I listen to that, that podcast, I always find something useful there to take away with me. So there was the Bubble Hour, there was AF Lagers, there was Club Soda. Um, and there was uh, food, um, but I'll come on to that later. And then there was the one thing that I did, and the most powerful thing that I did, was I kept a mental image of how I looked and felt the morning after. And whenever I felt like a drink, I always fast-forwarded to that mental image whether it be falling in a bush, whether it be lying in bed on a Sunday morning with knowing it was a glorious day outside and not being able to get my head off the pillow. All those mental images stayed with me and I still use them now because I never want to go back. So where, was, where am I now? I suppose maybe the, maybe the first thing to talk about is that it, you know, it wasn't easy to change and to change my drinking or to not drink. It, it, was, um, it was difficult and I make it sound easy and it wasn't. There were times where I had to literally get in my car and drive because I knew if I drove, then I wouldn't drink. Um, 
And, and yeah, there were times when I knew people, collective people were down in the local pub and I would be sitting in my back garden drinking an AF lager and really just pacing and counting the minutes until the day was gone. But I did it. So they were, they were, there was discomfort, but I rode it. And um, I think by the October, November time, I was sort of getting lots of flashbacks about um, my youth, my childhood. I, I, I grew up with very, very old-fashioned, strict parents whose parenting techniques probably, you know, would be frowned upon nowadays. And um, they just came on, they, they, I'd be walking the dog and all of a sudden they'd be right in my face. Or the inner critical voice that I've got, you're, you're no good, you're no, which had been with me for absolutely years. Um, that would come to me. And I'd think to myself, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to cope with all of this high definition living it just because before of course I would have picked up a drink and you know papered over the cracks blurred it out but now there was no alcohol and there was just um having to face my past and so I went to um I went to counseling I got in my car I found out where the local addiction center was and I literally rocked up there on a Monday morning. I can remember it now and got in there and I was like, oh my God, I am, I'm not meant to be in here with these people. I'm not an alcoholic, really. What was going on? Anyway, I knew that I needed counselling. I knew that I needed free counselling. So I went through with the process and within about a fortnight i attended my first counseling session and it was with a specialist it wasn't a generic it wasn't generic counseling it was what i needed it was somebody that understood um the, you know how just how difficult it is when you know alcohol creeps up on you and the next thing you know you, you're counting the days until the next drink so i went through counseling for about Six, I, I was I was eligible for six um, sessions and it was great because I was able to offload everything that had happened to me as a child, as a teenager, and really to um, understand that pro that probably was kind of the root of my addiction, um, whether it was to food or alcohol. And um, I guess it was just the fact that I just didn't know how to cope with the outside world because my parents were very, very um, controlling. And um, of course, when I got to 17 and I you know, became quite independent in terms of having you know, money and a car and a, a job, um, I think I was still a little girl inside and I didn't quite know how to react to the outside world and, and food and alcohol became my crutch and help me through and um yeah so all of this came out in counseling and, and and by the by the christmas i um you know i really felt as if i was getting somewhere and then the counseling stopped and again i started feeling anxiety um or, or became aware of my anxiety because of course i didn't have alcohol beside me 
And then I um, decided to approach my GP and ask them about a medication. So um, I took some uh, a small dose of citalopram, and I'm still on citalopram, and um, it's it's really helped um, with with the anxiety. I wouldn't say that I'm I'm a depressive sort of person, but anxiety I think is really um, how I've 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 been I've had that anxiety again since I was a little girl, and and giving up alcohol has made me grow up really. I think that's the thing. I think at the age of 46, I grew up. And um, it was, you know, it's incredible, really, that it, it took all that time, really, to say goodbye to that little girl and to actually, you know, find, my, find out who I am, really. Um, yes, so, so really that was the first year, counselling, medication, um, lots of alcohol-free lagers. Um, and, and yeah, continuing to listen to the bubble hour and et cetera, et cetera. So fast forward to December just gone and I had the most awful Christmas and then sat down and it was a Christmas where there was a lot of bickering, there was a lot of arguments and this had been going on for years. And so I decided to take a look at my marriage um, which had been a source of anxiety for me and um, my the alcohol intake had been papering the cracks and so decided in January that I would sit down with my husband and discuss our mar- our 18 year marriage and and we're now um going through a divorce and uh yeah I'm still on the antidepressants I'm still working um having to deal with a 14 year old daughter who is uh, quite challenging on times and is very much um you know, seeing daddy as um, the uh, the victim and mummy as the bad person. But I still don't want to drink. And um, I've still got other battles. Uh, my, alcohol, my, my alcohol addiction is, is, has been, I'm, not, I'm a novice, but it's, it's kind of, I'm containing that. But I have an, a, a food addiction, which, is, which can be um, quite painful for me because, um, you know, I'm... Uh, I like to look after myself as best as I can, but every now and then I really wobble and I always turn to cake or chocolate or whatever. So I'm still not right. But if I look back to where I've come in two years, it's incredible, really. And I I don't think I would have done any of it had I been drinking. So, so yeah, um, if I look at the toolbox, I still fast forward to that mental picture. I still drink occasionally drink an AF lager. I still listen to the bubble hour every week. I listen, I listen to a variety of podcasts now, actually. Um, I still take my medication every day. That's very important. I try to eat as well as I can. I exercise. I walk with my dog every day. So yeah, I'm still doing all the stuff that I did on day one, really. Um, and, and those things have really kept me sober and by keeping my sobriety, I'm changing my life and changing my life for the better and learning who I am, really. It all sounds such, such a cliche, but it's very true, you know. Um, so I hope that my story helps people. It's, I'm a novice. I'm still, I'm still working on myself every day and trying to understand really, you know, what's going on in my brain, if you like. <laughs> Just, you know, that's... Uh, 
that's the honest truth. But um, you know, I, at least I can open my eyes now, and and you know, not every day is brilliant, but more often than not, I've got something to be excited about, and I didn't have that with alcohol. Thank you so much to Sean for sharing her story. Um, I know that it can be really difficult to share these experiences. I mean, that's one of the main reasons that I want to do it, to make it more commonplace. But so I do really, really appreciate everyone who contributes to uh, to, to the podcast and, um, and, and also for you for listening. You're a very important part of this. Um, as I said at the beginning, if you do like it and you could take a moment to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, that would really help these stories reach more people. And I would really appreciate that. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. If you feel like you'd like to contribute to a future episode, then please do get in contact with me. My email address is marcus at theministryofchange.org. And you can check out my website, which is www.theministryofchange.org where you can find out more details about my sort of mental health journey around the UK in my little red uh, camper van, Ruby. Um, and uh, also, if you do think you'd like to be able to contribute in uh, any other way, then do support me uh, to continue to create more spaces for people to head, uh, talk about mental health by having a look at my Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash the Ministry of Change. It's sort of like a... Um, uh, I guess it's sort of like a crowdfunding um, page where you can sort of uh, get access to different things like a bonus episodes, extra videos and even one-on-one chats with me if you would like to. Um, and then also I'm look- always on the lookout for uh, different places to visit around the UK to um, explore mental health. So please do invite me down and I'd be happy to chat more and come along. Uh so this will be the last one for a couple of weeks because I am going tomorrow on a Vipassana 10-day silent retreat. So um, I obviously won't have any access to anything to upload any of the conversations. But yeah, do look out for more in uh, probably about two weeks' time. Um, but for now, thank you very much for tuning in and I look forward to joining you again soon. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye.